Welcome to Character Explorations, a podcast production of the Wendt Center for Character Education at the University of Dubuque. I'm Annalee Ward, the director of the Wendt Center. Our guest today is Dr. Bonnie Sue Lewis, Professor Emerita of Mission and World Christianity at the University of Dubuque Theological Seminary. She is the author of the article, Courageous Compassion in Interfaith Friendship, in Volume 2 of Character and Courageous Compassion. This article is available online at dbq.edu slash w-e-n-d-t. Welcome, Bonnie Sue. It's good to have you. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. First of all, how did you begin this journey of interfaith friendship? It started... um, about 2010, when IBM moved into town. And uh, Dubuque isn't known for its diversity, um, but all of a sudden there were a large number of hirees at IBM from many parts of the world. And many of those happened to be Muslim. And I was teaching in the seminary and some students came to me and said, we've noticed there are are some Muslims in town? What you know? What can you tell us about Islam and about interacting with the Muslim community? And I said, "Good question. <laughs> it's been a while. I did take one class in seminary on Islam, but it's been so long, and I've forgotten most of it." So, so I called a friend in town that teaches at Loras, and he and I had been in grad school together, and one of his fields was Islam. So I called John E. B. and I said, "John." what should I read about Islam so I can help my students to interact with Muslims? And so he gave me a list of books and he said, but I can also introduce you to the Imam. And I said, really, we have an Imam in Dubuque. (laughs) And he laughed and said, yes. And then um, gave me his phone number and said, why don't you give him a call? And, um, and, and I did. And one thing led to another and Before I knew it, I was teaching a class on Christianity and Islam, and the imam in town, Dr. Deeb Kassas from Syria, uh, and the practitioner of um, adolescent psychology uh, at one of our local hospitals, uh, came in every week for uh, the last 45, 50 minutes. He moved up his client's list and came into the class and was not at all intimidated by by 20 Christian ministers-to-be, pastors-to-be, and um, we had wonderful conversations, and out of that grew truly a friendship. And he introduced us to the community, welcomed us into the mosque, uh, introduced me to his family, and the rest, as I say, is history. Wow. It's wonderful to just follow up on curiosity, and it sounds like that's what began this journey. Well, one of the things in this article that you wrote, it's it's in an issue on courageous compassion. How does courageous compassion relate to interfaith engagement? It's very funny, as I was writing the article, I thought, you know, there's really nothing really courageous about this, uh, building relationships with others across whatever kind of barriers, to my mind, 
well, maybe it takes a little bit of guts, but it's not really a courageous thing. It's an exciting thing. It's a, a rewarding um, opportunity to be able to learn about others that are different. And, and so I'm less strong on the courageous, but certainly strong on the compassion, because I think crossing any kind of boundary uh, requires a sense of caring about who's on the other side and and who uh, and how do they see things and how do they understand life and 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 how do you reach out to encourage friendship versus you know any kind of uh, you know you don't want to tick people off. <laughs> And you don't want to create hostility. And um, so how, how do you reach across when there can be a lot of landmines if you're walking in a different language or culture or, or community that you don't even know about that you could set off in terms of relationships? So, so it really requires a sense of compassion and care that you not harm, do not, as the doctors say, do no harm, uh, that you build relationships. And really, crossing boundaries, as you say, does take courage for many of us. It, it is a step into the unfamiliar. So I, I do love the fact that you are so open and willing to do that. But now, for some people, religious difference lays at the root of violence and is a cause for fear. What um, what did you bring to this? Weren't you afraid? Um, one of the authors that I, I quote in the article, Stephen Prothero, um, um, says something to the effect that, you know, in this day and age, you know, those kinds of um, relationships across religious boundaries, you know, can deteriorate quite quickly uh, where there's no trust. Um, you know, you're as likely to set off a bomb as you are to <laughs> build a bridge <laughs> in trying to reach out and across. Um, but, you know what, it's been my experience, and now that I'm retired, I have lots of years I can look back on, <laughs> in which, um, there is, when, when the effort is made to extend oneself to another, um, the, the response is very generally positive. If there's an effort made out of genuine compassion and consideration for another, um, really the the sense that um, the minefields that could be there come down and disappear. As you think about interfaith, uh, I think you've referenced literacy. Is there any common ground between the Abrahamic faith traditions? Mm. I think that's one of the reasons that I found Islam so fascinating was because there's so much common ground in so many ways. Um, we began uh, 10 years ago with, with the relationship with 
with uh, the Imam Adiv Kasas, uh, several of us had questions about the Quran. I, I had not read it all the way. Through. I read portions of it here and there, and and uh, and it was actually my friend John Eby who had read it, but had had read it on his own, and uh, and so we asked Adib if he would be willing to maybe read the Quran, let us read the Quran with him, you know, so that we could have conversation. And we are now 10 years, 11 years uh, beyond the start of that. And we still meet every week. We're still not through the Quran. Uh, we meet every week for this. We've been working our way through the Quran. Uh, we keep adding people. Students will come in for a while and then students take off and then we get new students. And so during the school year, we continue to meet weekly. Uh, we've been doing this on Zoom since the virus started, but uh, and and I'm just struck again and again by by the by those things that are common to us. Um, number one, you're talking about three monotheistic faiths, and so faiths, I'll stop you right there. And you said three. So far, you've talked about Muslims. What's the other faith you're bringing in? The other one is Judaism and Christianity. Okay, and and when you talk about a group. Is this the organization that you referred to, Children of Abraham? We, uh, because we enjoyed getting together so much with with Adib Kassas, and uh, we we have uh, a Jewish member of the faculty here at UD, uh, Alan Garfield, and um, and he also was had. Met Adib Kassas, they'd become friends, and and John Eby knew all these guys, and so uh, it was really John's idea about us coming together, just getting together for conversation, and we had so much fun that uh, within a couple of months we decided let's open up some conversations to the community, and so we needed something to call ourselves. We said, "Oh, Children of Abraham, we all claim descent from Abraham." Jews, Christians, and Muslims claim to be descendants of the Abraham of scripture, of, of the Hebrew scripture of the Old Testament. And uh, of course, Jews and Christians claim their relationship through his wife, Sarah. Muslims claim their relationship to Abraham through what they would call the wife or, you know, the other wife, Hagar. Um, and so, so we all claim that relationship. So we said, thought, well, let's call ourselves just the children of Abraham, coming together for conversation. And so, yeah, that's been going on monthly ever since during the school year. So you're also you're doing weekly Quran study and monthly meetings to learn right, Abraham. Right. Well, all right. I interrupted you. I, I'd really love to know. Just why don't you give us a couple of highlights of things that you found in common in your weekly studies? In our weekly studies, uh, what of course is common is the the one God, and of course we've learned that our Muslim friends kind of look at us with one raised eyebrow. Well, then why do you talk about a triune God? <laughs> and and in the minds of some of our Muslim friends, you know they're thinking we are thinking of God having sex with Mary and producing Jesus. And they think that's what we mean by Trinity or, the, you know, and, and that's anathema. God is God. 
and would never take a human consort. That's pagan. And so, you know, they're still trying to figure out how we get by with this. And then and that's when we have the opportunity to say, well, actually, when we talk about the triune God, we're talking about God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, there's this sense, a, a very different sense of, of what that means. And to the minds of Christians, that still means we're monotheistic. There is God, the Father, and Jesus, the Son, who, who comes from the Father, but is of the Father, and the Holy Spirit that comes from Jesus, from God, Father, Jesus, the Son, Holy Spirit, but who is also a member of the Trinity. So it's complicated by all means, you know, and most Christians can't even explain it, even those of us that are learned, quote unquote. Well, the endless paradox. Exactly. And mystery of exactly. one in three yeah, or exactly. three in one. Exactly. Yes. So, so you know, we, but we certainly carry, we are known as the monotheistic faiths. And of course, Judaism, even more so, you know, the mother of, of as we as Christians see it, sort of the mother faith. Um, and, and Islam will say, certainly, um, God gave Moses a book, God gave Jesus a book, the New Testament, and, uh, and then God gave Muslims a book, uh, the Quran. And, um, you know, so, so they're, they're willing to say, you know, we're all people of the book, of a book given by God. Um, and on top of that, Jesus shows up in the Quran more than any of the other prophets, including the prophet Muhammad. I mean, there's a whole chapter, Miriam, about the mother of Jesus. You know, we don't have a chapter in the Bible on Mary, but, but the Quran does. And in that chapter, uh, Jesus speaks as an infant to basically defend his mother. And um, so, uh, it, but Jesus shows up a lot in the Quran and, and is, is recognized as one of the signs that points to God. And so we get some wonderful discussions about, well, if it's a sign pointing to God, what is that sign? What is that sign saying? What is Jesus saying? And of course, uh, but anyway, so we have, you know, a great reverence for Jesus, even if not the same understanding of who Jesus is. Um, he is certainly considered a prophet among Muslims, but simply a man. And so we've got some differences, but there's lots of key. And in Quran, in in the Hebrew Bible, the what we would call the Old Testament, the Tanakh, and the New Testament, what keeps popping up is the call that we are to to love, to reverence God, and to love and reverence God's people, creation. And those two theme, themes are key in all three of these scriptures. One of the things that you have mentioned in, in talking about your experiences here was the practice of hospitality. How does that figure in when you're seeking these interfaith friendships? I think that um, hospitality is key from the standpoint that in order to extend hospitality to another, we need to first open ourselves to the hospitality of God. And, you know, God is so hospitable 
God sent, God sent Jesus <laughs> to let us know how hospitable and how open are the arms of God and how loving are the arms of God. Um, and when we open ourselves to God, when we make room in our lives and in our hearts and welcome God into, into who we are, we enable God to do a transformative work in our own lives. We have to make room for God. I remember a missionary telling me years ago that, um, you know, unless we sit first at the feet of Jesus, we have nothing to share. You know, we have to welcome in the one who welcomes us, make room for the one who loves us in order that that love can transform us to love others. In practicing this hospitality, this welcome, or taking the welcome you've received and, and extending it to others, I imagine you must have disagreements. <laughs> Any serious arguments, or how do you deal with that? I cite in the article one particularly memorable occasion <laughs> in which... Yes, I mean, especially when you're you're spending a lot of time with people and you get to know them, um, and uh, and there are differences. Any relationship differences crop up, and part of what interfaith requires is the willingness to to stick together when when things do get tough, a commitment that you know I'm here for the long haul. Um, I'm here because you matter to me, and we all matter to God. And so we were at, at a Quran study one night, and, and it was predominantly men. It's not always that way, but it, it tends to be that way. And, and, and we're talking about a small group of not more than, than four to six, maybe, uh, in, unless there are students coming in. And uh, so, <laughs> so it happened to be the topic of Jesus that had come up in, in the reading, and, and Jesus is the sign of God. And so... So I'm pushing a little bit, you know, and, and saying, well, if God is, a, if Jesus is a sign of God, then, what, then when Jesus says, you know, that, that I know the Father and the Father knows me and, and, you know, no one comes to the Father, but, but what do you think he means by that? You know, how is that a sign? How do you interpret the words of Jesus as in the Injil, the New Testament, that you believe that you say is creditable, um, although with the caveat that it's been corrupted. Uh, how do you, you know, and and of course, I, I knew I was pushing a button, um, but I, you know, I mean, we've been we'd been together at that point for, you know, four or five years. So, you know, we built some, you know, we'd been to each other's homes and, you know, kids' birthday parties and things like that, you know, so I was like, and, and, but, but Adib, you know, he's Syrian and he gets excited and, and, and he's trying to explain, you know, just how, well, no, you know, I mean, some of those things that he says are right. And some of them, you know, are, are misinterpreted. And anyway, so, and, and others are trying to, to, to chime in and, and, and it's getting a little more heated and a little more heated and I'm trying to make myself heard and I'm a, and, 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 and I was so frustrated, I finally did something I would never, ever do if I'd have thought about it. <laughs> I just said, there's too much testosterone in this room. And that shut everybody down. <laughs> and then I turned all pink and thought, 
did I really say that? Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it got really quiet. Deep said, speak. <laughs> what do you want to hear? You know? And so we left that meeting and, and, you know, I still thought, well, you know, I, I don't know that he really heard what I had to say, you know, it's like, and I, was like, and I embarrassed myself and all this. And later, Adib called me and he called me to apologize. He said, Bonnie Sue, I'm so sorry. He said, I hold myself responsible for letting that conversation deteriorate and, and to your hurt. And I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, and, and by this time I'm bawling, you know, it's like, here is the imam of the local masjid, the, the, the mosque, and, and he's calling me to apologize. And, and of course, I, you know, I just melted and just said, oh, deep, you know, um, we're friends. You know, we can get testy with one another and it's okay uh, because we know at heart you care for me and I care for you. And, and the friendship has been built. And the friendship is strong. So in these last moments, would you like to add any last words about courageous compassion and interfaith friendship? Would you, what motivates you to keep trying? Or how would you like us to think about this? I know that that Ibu Patel of the Interfaith Youth Corps in Chicago, Muslim, has built a whole ministry around bringing together those of other faiths in order to instill a biblical or a, 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 an interfaith literacy. And how important it is that if we are going to ever build friendships, we need to know a little bit about one another. We need to learn about one another. But more than that, we need to be able to sit together. Uh, we need to be able to work together. We need to be able to celebrate together, to cry together, to laugh together. Um, there are really four ways that we as communities uh, of different faith communities can begin to build that literacy. And these are recognized by uh, in all parts of the, the Christian church, Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox. Um, that we need to engage in theological conversation. We need to have those conversations, you know, over our, our sacred texts. We need to do that. And it doesn't take professors to do that. <laughs> People can do that. We also need to be able to be engaged in acts of compassion together, working together to sow seeds of compassion and care in our communities. We also need to be able to relate on a spiritual basis. And so our, our meetings, our, our Children of Abraham meetings, are held in sacred spaces, uh, sometimes at the mosque, sometimes at the synagogue, sometimes in churches, as well as in, in institutions of learning. We need to be able to, to hear one another pray, to join one another in the spirit of, of addressing our God, even as, even as we do that differently. And finally, we need to engage in what um, what uh, Kosuko Koyama has called uh, neighborology. We need to build relationships of friendship. 
we need to engage in, in meals together. I just came from a birthday party celebrating one of our Muslim friends. And every month, there's, there's a group of about half a dozen of us who has a birthday at least every other month. <laughs> and, and so for years, we've been celebrating, you know, birthdays together. Um, when my, Adif Kassas's wife, um, your mom, one of my best friends, you know, and when her daughters are dancing in the Nutcracker Suite, I always, I always get to go. You know, so I've seen I've seen him dance for years, you know, the grow up and into the different parts, you know, so, you know, building relationships, because when we do that, we not only show who God is, but we are blessed. God shows God's love for us through another, even as we show God's love to another. I mean, it just, it goes round and round. And, and I know this pleases God because God is love. What a wonderful note to end this on, on as we all seek to be more neighborly and more loving. Thank you for reminding us to take our religious commitments seriously, but always in the context of loving God and loving others. It's not an easy charge, and it requires a kind of courageous compassion that honestly seeks to connect and care. Thank you for being with us today, Bonnie Sue. Dr. Bonnie Sue Lewis, Professor Emerita of Mission and World Christianity, and I'm Annalee Ward for Character Explorations from the Wendt Center for Character Education at the University of Dubuque. <music>